coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. The supporting wife really helps because there were some conversations about, well, where will this lead us if you make this decision? It required that we move to Nashville and a change of jobs, a change of careers. We prayed about it, and so we went there. And I learned a lot, but I traveled constantly while mm. I was on the job. The, the job was supposed to be uh, 40% travel, and my literally my first day on the job, they handed me a plane ticket and said, look, you've done this before for us as a consultant, this person that was supposed to convert this hospital had an appendicitis so off you go so it never stopped hey friends thanks so much for joining us this is unlock you with dr shannon crawford i'm a clinical psychologist leadership consultant and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose i want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally emotionally spiritually and vocationally thanks for joining us and let's get started Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And today I am with the CEO of EHR Data. Did I get it right? You did. Okay. So I've known Jeff more in a personal setting. He and his wife and beautiful children and now grandchildren go to my parents' church. So I've probably known him maybe 10 plus years and I've just always respected him from afar. And he is an incredible businessman, very strategic and wise. And I know his personal life to a degree. (laughs) not awkward, Um, but I know that he lives it in his personal as well as his professional life. And so for somebody like this, I think we need to pull up our chair and we need to lean in to hear his wisdom and his vocation, his faith, his personal life, his journey. Uh, Because I know it's not always easy or glamorous, but um, there's a lot that we can learn and gain from somebody like Jeff. So thank you, Jeff Ferris, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Okay. So um, obviously life was just always really easy. You grew up in a bed of roses. You were born to be a CEO. No, I, th- I think you've got the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. if, uh, Said no one. Yeah, you know, that that's not the road I've traveled, but uh, it, it's been a fun journey that I've taken and it, it's mm. clearly not over. But, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I have been blessed. I've lived a blessed life. Uh, I've uh, learned from my mistakes. Uh, yeah. I have a good teacher in the Lord guiding me and yeah. directing me and putting people in my life just yeah. at the right moment. So, so good. So if you were mentoring somebody, having coffee with a younger professional who maybe just kind of feels stagnant in their career, they don't really feel like they're, they have a vision or they don't know what they're doing. Right. What would you say to them? You know, I, I, I think it's okay not to have a vision uh, in, in saying that it probably goes against normal business principles, but, but uh, I think it's worth saying, but you know, I, I, I grew up in a rather meager surroundings. Uh, my mm-hmm. dad was a barber in a small town and uh, we never went without food, but, uh, but and we never close. had a worry in our life, but, but we, we didn't know that we were poor, but uh, in growing up in that expect growing up in that environment, I really didn't ever have an expectation that I would be the CEO of a company or a leader of uh, 600 employees or Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Uh, Like I said, I grew up in a small town like Mayberry RFD. That's how it was. (laughs) My whole life was uh, with my friends and playing sports. And if I had a goal, it was I was going to play for the New York Yankees. Okay. And uh, 
after I went to junior college on a baseball scholarship, I found out that I was not nearly that good. <laughs> and uh, so then began my journey of what am I now going to do all my life? So, so that was how my professional career got started was uh, leaving behind a dream that I had, which was not realistic. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. And then now where do I go? Sure. And uh, that's really when I started seeking the Lord, trying to understand, uh, you know, what do you have planned for me as opposed oh. to what my dreams are? And uh, it, I, I didn't always successfully do that. Sometimes I would make decisions and uh, say, Lord, I, this is what I decided to do. Bless this uh -huh. as opposed to Lord, what would you <laughs> like for me to do? Right. And uh, so that leads to falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up. And uh, which we've all done. Right. Welcome to the club. If you've yes. done anything well in life, but, but for someone who's trying to understand what, you know, where do I go with my life? Uh, my counsel would be you should go where the Lord leads you to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're going to follow someone, you really have to believe in that person. And yeah. it was through my failures in life and uh, turning to the Lord and crying out that I began to understand, you know, this isn't a God that sits on a throne and rules with an iron fist. And that yeah. if I mess up, he's done with me. Mm -hmm. I serve a God who's loving and he expects that I'm going to fail, and he's there to lift me up. He provided me with a Savior. So once I've got that grasp of yeah. God loves me that much and he cares for me that much, then I knew he must have a plan for my life. So trying to walk that out uh, led to me having God send people across my path. And uh, I, I didn't I started out with a degree in medical technology, and huh, I, I, I did that because uh, I had an uncle that offered me a job, said, I don't know how you're going to pay for school, but I'll get you a job working in a hospital, and uh, you'll make enough money to pay for your school. Mm. So I decided I'd go into medical technology because that's what I was doing to make money to pay for school, and uh, I was very content doing that. Mm -hmm. But uh, through a series of events, I began to understand that uh, this is not what I was called to do. Okay. And uh, and being okay with that. Yeah. Well, uh, it was it was very nervous, but having a supporting wife really helps because uh, there were some yeah conversations about well where will this lead us if you make this decision mm -hmm. and uh, it required that we move to Nashville and a change of jobs, a change of careers, and uh, she we prayed about it and. So we went there and I learned a lot, but I traveled constantly while mm -hmm. I was on the job. The, the job was supposed to be 40% uh, travel. And my literally my first day on the job, uh, they handed me a plane ticket and said, look, you've done this before for us as a consultant. This person that was supposed to convert this hospital had an appendicitis. So oh. off you go. So it never stopped. Immersion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after a couple of years, of doing that, uh, I had an uncle, this uncle that had helped me through school, started a company doing software for small rural hospitals. So he offered me a job and we prayed about it and off we went mm -hmm. and the Lord really blessed it. But one of the things that... Uh, Can I ask a practical yeah, question? Yeah, sure. Because I think a lot of people pray, but they don't necessarily know how to tell God's answer. Like, how right. do I discern that? Yep. So when you prayed about it, how did you feel like you had an answer in return? Well, it's 
I think it's it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I can't tell you. I heard, the heavens opened up, and I heard a voice that said, "Charlton, San Antonio, Texas." <laughs> uh, but uh, it's through a series of doors being shut and doors being opened. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that is how my prayers are answered, mm-hmm. and it really requires patience because. We think we want to do a certain thing Mm -hmm. and we don't wait for the Lord to close a door, open a door and we just off we go. Right. And then I've made that mistake, but, uh, I didn't know at the time that we were going to San Antonio. I thought, well, that's where we're going to San Antonio is for this job. Mm -hmm. But really what we went to San Antonio for was to be planted in a church that was faith-based. So, our neighbor, next door neighbors invited us to that. I went to, we went to the church, got involved in it. And, uh, there was a very successful businessman that was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of just became someone that I looked up to. And it's like, you know, yeah. I'd love to live a life like he has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not that I fully understood how he lived his life, but I knew he was successful and I knew that he was a man of faith and he lived out his faith. Yeah. So that was encouraging to me because I don't know that I had seen many people of faith mm-hmm. uh, in my walk of life at that time. They were very successful business people. Sure. Uh, so uh, that with that background, uh, I, I really began to have a relationship with, with the Lord and seek his will. He really blessed the business that my uncle and I had started. And it was growing rapidly. But again, all I'd really done was ch- traded in a plane ticket for a set of car keys. Mm-hmm. So I was Constantly. still traveling a lot. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, again, the church was a big part of our life. And it was a church where uh, people go forward for prayer all the time. Mm-hmm. I was raised in the denomination where if someone went forward for prayer, they either had cancer or it was adultery or something really, really bad, uh-huh. hard to accept the Lord. And in this church, it was just the opposite. You went forward for any care you could have. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, so I did. I went forward, and the pastor was a unique guy. The way he prayed, Mm -hmm. he just had conversations with God. Mm -hmm. So I told the pastor, you know, here's what's going on. I I think I need a different job, or I need some way in which I can be more at home. And uh, so he looked up in the heavens and had a conversation with God and said, well, uh, what do you... uh, are you thinking about doing something new, something you've never done before? And I said, no, 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 not really. And he said, uh, well, you know, God has seen your faithfulness and he's going to open a door that none man, no man can shut, which is Revelations 3, 8, which I didn't know that scripture at that time. Yeah. And uh, then he said, and I hate to put a time frame on God, but this is, this is it's going to happen pretty quick, I think. So when we were leaving, a woman handed me a piece of paper and said, this is from the Lord. This is a little strip of paper. So I said, thank you. I put it in my pocket and dismissed it. Mm -hmm. So I get home and I unfold the paper and here's this scripture, Revelations 3, chapter, uh, Revelations chapter 3, verse 8. So I get the Bible out and I open it up and it says, God has seen your faithfulness. He's going to open it. So I'm cool. like, wow, that is, thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah. And uh, my wife wanted to know, well, what did what did he say? What did the pastor pray? And I said, well, it's a door no man can shut, and it's going to happen right away, and it's something new I've never done before. 
So the next morning I go into work and I get a phone call and it's from a guy named Ken Hill. I had known his brother and been a pallbearer at his brother's funeral. And he called me and said, you know, your brother's, my brother spoke highly of you, your integrity, and I'm looking for some good people. I'm growing this company in Fort Worth really, really quick. And would you consider coming to work for me? And I said, well, tell me a little bit about it. And he said, well, I'm thinking about doing something new, something I've never done before. So that's a second box is checked, right? Okay. I said, well, when do you need somebody? He said, well, right away. I need somebody <laughs> right, right away. And uh, so uh, the next big question was, well, how much, what's the salary? And he said, uh, well, it's this. And it was so much less money than I was making. Oh, wow. So I did the godly thing and said well let me talk to my wife <laughs> so i just missed it went home my wife's you know the conversation how was your day oh yeah Smokey's hill's brother called me ken offered me a job and she's like oh offered you a job what kind of job you said i i'm said i'm not sure it's something new something he's never done before so she's just praising God and so excited. And I said, well, wait, 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 the salary is so low. There's no way we'll take the job. There's no way I can do that. And so she said, okay. And in a little bit, she came back and she said, I'll support your decision. Mm. You need to answer this one question. Are we going to live by faith or not? Boom. So that really was my first big walk of faith was going in the next day and telling my uncle I was leaving. And he was not understanding at all. Yeah. In fact, one of these, he finally said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll match the salary that this guy's going to give you. I said, well, if you did that, you'd have to <laughs> cut my pay. So he, he actually called me a fool and, and uh, told me to leave. So, so I think, wait, I want to pause because yeah. there's so many nuggets that you're saying. One not every time does God just give a Charlton Heston burning bush major, right. right? A lot of times it's the open doors, it's the closed doors. Right. But I think you were also, the word was about being faithful, that you weren't just like staying at home, watching video games or like doing nothing. You were right. faithful. You were planted. You were serving someone else's right. vision. Uh, it wasn't necessarily your passion or your like big call. And you're still asking the Lord, not knowing what that was doing, what that was, but yet you were still doing something. I think that's, that's real important. And I, I talk a lot about investing. Yeah. Uh, investing in people mm -hmm. i've seen you do that i've seen mm -hmm. your family do that all yeah. the time and uh i i've always done that uh growing up but then i began to appreciate the value of time and the value of mm -hmm. money and to your point not just sitting around doing nothing I, i'll have people come up to me yeah. often and say well, well you know i really what what do you think i really need to do something you think i could yeah. get a job if we do this what, what would you recommend and i'd say well, what are you doing now yeah and uh well i'm not doing anything exactly right and yeah. so then i will talk to them about investing in people it's like you know it's you good. don't sit at home and do nothing even if it's just not a job you just go out and walk around walmart and volunteer look for someone that yeah hey can i help you put your groceries in your car can right. i do this can i do That's that good. and I think a lot of times those are how things get opened up. Yes. You don't, you're not, your goal is and doing something is not what you're going to get out of it. Exactly. It's just trying to invest in other people. And, and when you're trustworthy, 
in the hidden place, now right. the Lord can say, hey, now you're trustworthy and I can expand your yeah, territory. Amen. And then I've, I mean, I've made the mistake as a manager three times. And every time I made it, I said, I'll never do that again. Where you have a talented individual that's working for you and they got so much potential, uh-huh. but they're just not meeting your expectations. Uh-huh. So you call them in, you're talking to them. Well, I'm just not challenged. What I'm doing uh-huh. is not, Always not excuses. really. And, and, you know, I would actually make the mistake of saying, well, I'll tell you what, let, let's give you a more challenging, I mean, maybe even promote them uh-huh. for doing nothing. Right. And it, without fail, it never worked. Exactly. So I began to understand that, look, who, he who's faithful in small things mm-hmm. will be faithful in large things. So, so until someone could prove to me that they could do what I was asking them to do, yeah. which is kind of when I ended up moving to Fort Worth or Granbury, Texas, and taking a job in, in, uh, in this company, which was National Health Information Network, PDX Incorporated, uh, I, I really had a big office and a company car and mm-hmm. a good salary, and I traded it in to take this job. And... Uh, had a little cubicle, uh, didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do. The unknown. The owner <laughs> spent some time with me the first day and then was gone for three weeks and I didn't know a soul. Whoa. And, uh, so, but I was, I was faithful. My dad always said, if, if someone, if you're going to take somebody's money, then you're going to work for them. And I always said, if, That's good. I'll do what, I'll, if you're going to take somebody's money, then you mm-hmm. should honor them by working for them and yeah. do what they tell you That's to good. do, which I always tell people, if you take a job, then you do that job yeah. that you've agreed to do, unless it's unethical, Ill, Ill, immoral, or illegal. Mm-hmm. If it's one of those three things, then by all means, you should run. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. But if it's not, whether you agree with it or not, if mm-hmm. that's what your boss has charged you with doing, then, yeah. then you do it. And so I was. I was faithful to do that. And, uh, and then the second thing I think you highlighted is you were around the right people. So right. you were in a community of faith. You you have a wife. You have people around you. You had a, a businessman that you kind of looked up to. Right. You were surrounded by people, and you're also asking for wise counsel. Proverbs that says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Right. Of having people that you can hear from and take advice. Right. And that was something my mom drilled in my head from a young age: is wisdom isn't just you and God. Wisdom is also allowing others to be able to speak into your life right. and take wise counsel. I mean, that's, that gets into being accountable to people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've learned uh, that I have to be accountable for people. And as I begin to be promoted within this company, I think I was an f- employee 50. And when the company was sold, we had over 600 employees. And we were the largest at what we did in the United States. We provided software and services to over 10,000 pharmacies in the retail pharmacy setting. Wow. So, major uh, impact. Yeah, it's a very, very successful business. And what I saw God faithfully do is would I would pray for him to send good people to mm-hmm. our company. I'd, I'd pray for it every day. And then I had prayer partners, and we would pray for people to send good people. And I had so many testimonies of people that we would hire. Uh, in fact, one of the one of the brightest men I ever worked with, uh, 
we, we were needing someone with his unique skill set. Mm-hmm. And so we had interviewed several people. They were all very impressive. And I was praying about which, which one of these people should I hire. And uh, as I'd look over their resumes and pray about it, I just kept being drawn to this one person. So what I didn't know on the other end is he's praying about which job should I take because he had several offers. Okay. So he finally told his wife, he said, if Jeff Ferris doesn't call me by noon today, then I know that that's not the job for me. And I think it was around 11.45 that I called him. And, <laughs> the 11th hour. Yes. And, uh, I had no idea there was some timetable sure. that, that uh, he had put before God, before me. But uh, he, he was he's just a brilliant guy. Yeah. And uh, did tremendous things. But it was, it's, it's really, you know, walking by faith every day, looking for God to give you direction on making even the smallest decisions. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't just be paralyzed if you don't know what God is wanting you to do. I mean, sure. you, you have your gifts, you have your talents, God's blessed you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have to make decisions. You have to go about doing and using the tools that are put in front of you. Yeah. But uh, And I'd say something I've really found helpful is I'll ask him. And even if I don't hear anything, by the time I open my mouth and I say something or I make a decision, usually it's way smarter than yeah. anything I would have come up yes. with. And I'm like, man, he looks, makes me look good. <laughs> I pray that often, Lord, put the words in my mouth. You'd have me speak and steal the words from my mouth that are not of you. That's good. And, uh, but I mean, I don't want to come across as holier than I have made so many mistakes. So uh, have I. A lot of people that have worked with me through the years or played golf with me, they're like, hmm, I see a side of you I didn't see before. But uh, but it's 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 uh, living a life of faith and working through your faith. Mm -hmm. There's not a, a a better better life you could live. And one important thing that I didn't mention that I embraced when we were in San Antonio was the, the, uh, biblical principle of tithing. I've never tithed before. I mean, we we gave money to the church, but it's kind of like, well, okay, I'll give this much. I'll Uh give this much. I'll give this kind of hit or miss. And, uh, that was really, uh, when, when I took the job for less money, I remember thinking, wow, my tithe is going to be less, but you know, it's not how much you give. It's mm-hmm. what's in your heart when you give it. And uh, it was so exciting as I got promoted and got more uh, salaries and bonuses and the ability to write that check. I was always so excited uh, to, to really return to the Lord, that small portion. And, and it's a biblical principle. He will bless you, not because you're giving to be blessed, but mm-hmm. it's just a principle in yep. the Bible. And I really believe tithing played a role in, uh, in my success financially. Yeah, uh, I believe that with all my heart. And I try to teach that to people, but people who don't have a relationship with God, mm-hmm. they really don't understand yeah. why you would be given that much money mm-hmm. to quote a church. Yeah. And I'm not giving it to a church. Yeah. It's my act of worship. Right. 
Mm -hmm. So I think the next point I wanted to highlight is a lot of times we think, okay, I'm going to ask God for this thing. And then it's going to look, and it's going to be packaged in a way that's going to make sense to my understanding and to my eyes instead of faith is really the substance of things unseen. And so what was that like for you? You're a smart businessman. You have worked hard for your career. And now you have an opportunity that maybe the words line up, but it doesn't make sense. You're going to get paid less. It's something totally foreign where you're comfortable where you are, you have a good salary where you are, you have a family depending on you. What was that like for you? And what would you recommend for somebody who might be in a season of deciding on faith? You know, that's, that's a a good question. I, you know, if I reflect back during that time period, uh, you know, I'll admit I was very nervous about making Mm -hmm. the change, but uh, I had a peace knowing that, you know, I'm doing what the the Lord has called me to do. He, he has opened this door yeah. and God is not going to set you up to fail. Mm-hmm. I use uh, the word putting people in to succeed, mm-hmm. putting people in a position to succeed. I use that a lot yeah. in the business worlds and, and in personal relationships too. But uh, when we'd have management meetings and we were talking about an individual, that's maybe not, doing well it's like well how can we put them in a position to succeed what do mm. we think their strengths are and um, which again goes back to investment yeah you're not just discarding not, people yeah. you're trying to invest them and their gift into a better position right. but it, it's uh i don't know if i'm answering your question but i did have one other point i wanted to bring out and yeah when you first get into management the biggest challenge you have are the people <laughs> People are the biggest challenge. And I used to agonize over having to let someone go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, I, it's in my mind as they were walking out the door when I'd released them. Uh, I could just draw this picture of them walking in the front door and, what are you doing home, daddy? And, oh, I got fired. And oh, it's just, uh, just, it would just tear me up. Yeah. And uh, someone gave me some wise counsel one time and said, why are you letting them make their problem your problem? Whoa. And so I thought about it and it really changed my management style and trying to counsel employees that were not performing. Yeah. Like I would, you know, you, you go through the three steps, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I would usually start out with the bad cop, good mm-hmm. cop, not the bad cop. That What the cop always says when he pulls you over is like, mm-hmm. is there something you need to tell me some emergency you're going mm-hmm. I'd always start out initially saying, so is there something going on in your personal life or even here at work that's causing you to, to underperform? underperform? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so sometimes it would be, and you could talk about it and try mm-hmm. to remove that. But other times they just didn't have a good reason other than they're not performing right. And I would always say, look, I, I, I was led to hire you mm-hmm. and I'm very disappointed that you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. So this is your first warning mm-hmm. and I'm going to be very upset with you if I have to talk to you again. Mm-hmm. And the second time I talked to him, it's like, I'm very upset with you. You put me in this position. Do mm-hmm. not put me in a position to fire you because I'll be so upset with you if I have to let you go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes you would, you yeah. would have to let them go. And it, it really, I would be angry when I was letting them go because they put me in a position to have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it, it made them own it at that point. And now, not to be clear, this didn't happen often. Oh, sure. But uh, once, once I understood that was the correct 
approach to deal with people that were underperforming, it made it so much easier for me. And often it never went past the first step. Right. Uh, once once they understood you were disappointed uh, or they weren't meeting expectations and you could explain to them what your expectations were, yeah. uh, it was, it was most of the time they would uh, live up to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a level of accountability that our culture is losing because we're so accustomed to almost the snowflake. Everybody's got an excuse. You don't really have to perform. And so being able to hold people accountable that you're not responsible for their choices. Here's the job. Here's the requirements and expectations. You meet it, great. And then we will reward you you know, accordingly. And then on the other side, if you're not performing, then maybe we need a conversation. If you need to be in a different position, if something else is going on, but by the third time, then you've made your choice. And so I don't have to feel guilt and responsibility because I love uh, Dr. Henry cloud, his book called necessary endings and how as Christians, sometimes we can get very like false responsibility and this false compassion. I don't want to ever hurt anybody and just want to make everybody feel nice. And that's not actually good. Sometimes pruning is good for the company and for the individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I want to paint a picture that I've got this ideal job and everything was perfect. And and there were lots of problems. Sure. Uh, the industry we were in we had a lot of challenges mm-hmm. and uh, there were times where we had to actually reduce our staff mm-hmm. and that's just something that has to be done. You need to be a good steward for what you've been put over. And, yeah. uh, so it would require sometimes that you had to reduce the people that were uh, in your employment. And again, I wrestle with that too, because right? mm-hmm. in some cases they did nothing wrong. I just right. don't have a position for them. Or but the again, budget. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I, I did come to an understanding. Look, I am not their god. Mm-hmm. I'm not controlling their destiny. I mean, yeah. I'm inserting myself in the, into their life right now, saying I no longer have employment for you. But uh, if if they were open to it, I always pray a blessing over them mm-hmm. when they left mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I feel comfortable. Hey, God has a plan for their life just like he did for mine. Yeah. So if they seek it, this is not the end of their dream. Sure. This is just the next chapter in their life. That's, yeah. And, uh, and I think there's a natural tendency in all of us to want to stay in where we're at and the predictable, right. the safety, but it's really an illusion because if we always stay in diapers, then right. we're never actually walking and running and driving cars and moving forward in our life. Sometimes it's that transition that creates a growth spurt. The hunger to press into God, the desire to connect and see what other gifts and talents I have and whether doors might be opening instead of just staying in a stagnant season, just because it feels safe or comfortable. Like in your situation, if you had stayed where you were, salary, everything we find comfortable, you probably would not have made this advancement into being a CEO. No, I would in fact... uh... The, the whole story of that with my uncle essentially calling me a fool uh, was God was protecting me through all this because wow. uh, due to some poor business decisions that he made mm-hmm. shortly after I left. And I don't know that he wouldn't have still made them when I was there. Sure. He ended up losing his business. Oh, wow. So, uh, in That's- fact, if you fast forward about 15 years, he ended up coming to me for a job. Wow. And, you know, being a good employee for us, but, uh, yes, you just, you don't know the whole story. I mean, God doesn't say, here's the whole plan I have for your life. Mm -hmm. He just says, take this step Mm -hmm. and then take this step and then take this step. 
Yeah. Which goes back to your point of we may not have a whole vision. You may not have this big elaborate. This is what my calling is. You're just supposed to step one at a time and trust each step. I mean, sports is a big part of my life and uh, especially growing up. And I I understood that not everybody played shortstop. Not everybody played quarterback. Mm -hmm. We all had a role that we needed to play Mm -hmm. and and that's that's true in the business setting too not Mm -hmm. everybody can be the ceo not everybody can be a developer for this particular feature that we want to put into our software so i think in in my from my perspective i I never was a big dreamer Uh but i began to understand that one of my callings in life was to help other people's dreams come true and once I embraced that, I mean, it was, it's, it was so fulfilling yeah. uh, to understand. And, and I did that a lot and with uh, our customers, you know, instead mm-hmm. of going out and telling these very intelligent people, pharmacists, pharmacy directors, IT leaders, that this is, this is what you need to do. It was really interacting with them and understanding what their vision was, Mm -hmm. what their need was, Mm -hmm. and then work with them to develop what they needed in order to Mm -hmm. succeed. And we tried to build that culture in our company. We were successful at doing that. And that was one reason why our company grew so much is customers saw us more as partners than as a a vendor mm-hmm. and it was all through the idea of let us share with us what your dreams and visions are for yeah. your business and let us help you meet those it's so and, good uh, it was it was a turning point in our business when we actually decided we were going to take that approach and i don't know yeah. if it was ever a conscious decision or one specific thing that happened that led us in that direction but mm-hmm. it was uh, just through a series of events of well that worked successfully maybe we didn't see we were going to make to get the ROI on it but yeah. they needed it return on investing it uh-huh. uh, it turned out everybody else needed it as well so. yeah okay so you're at this new job you have a little cubicle you have less pay and what happens then well I was <laughs> it's interesting because as I said the owner uh, spent half a day with me and I, Quite I, the onboarding. I, I didn't know him. <laughs> and then he was gone for three weeks and he had, as I said, his company was growing. So he had these three big projects that he wanted uh, to understand what was going on with them. And he didn't introduce me to anybody. Uh-huh. So I like, okay, I can do that. So after he left, I spent three weeks of trying to talk to senior people within the company and they wanted nothing to do with me. They thought I was a spy. And so they said, if I'd say, can you give me an update on where you're at with this project? Like, well, if Ken wants to know, he can ask me. Mm-hmm. And so I would go home and I would tell Sean, man, we have missed the Lord. This is, I mean, <laughs> this is not this God. Is, this is, I don't know what we're going to do. But I, I, I'd go in early and I'd meet with, quote, worker bees. I don't yeah. really like that term, but I can't think of a better one right now. And then I'd stay late and meet with the people that work late. And sure. at the end of three weeks, I knew exactly where everything was at. Mm. So I wrote up my report, gave it to him when he came back and called me into a meeting. And here's all these senior people who wanted nothing to do with me. And he asked them for the reports and they all give it. And uh, 
then he said, well, that's not what Jeff says. <laughs> so he produces this report I gave him. And it, it wasn't that they were misleading. And I learned from working with Ken for so long it, why they were doing it, because it's like they didn't want to disappoint him. Plus, mm-hmm. they felt like they know, knew what they needed to do based on the direction he gave him. And they didn't want him to jump in and yeah and ruin it. So, uh, so be aware as a leader... The people around you may be yes men telling you what you want to hear, yeah. but not necessarily actually following through in everything right. that they're communicating to you. Well, I think it's you have to develop a relationship with the, especially your direct reports where they trust you. Yeah. And uh, they know that uh, if they come to you, because a lot of people, a lot of management people, they want to make you aware that they have a problem, but they're not asking you to fix it. Mm-hmm. They're just doing their job by saying, I have a concern and this is what I'm doing about it. And I've seen mistakes made where the manager over people that are saying, I have this problem they just jump in and they make it worse. Right. So if you hire people, they're gifted and talented, let them do their job. Mm-hmm. If, if they need help, provide it to them, but don't just insert yourself into something. If uh, give them a chance to do it, mm-hmm. but it, it was out of that, that meeting where he eventually said, look, I, I want you to be the vice president over this one, one of these three products. This, this one is really struggling. I want you over that. And, uh, so the Lord really blessed me. It was, it was fun. I went into this project and it was like the redheaded stepchild of the company. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted to work on this project. Sure. But uh, when he offered me the position, I said, well, can I pick the staff that I want? He said, yeah, you can have anybody you want. So those three weeks I spent wandering around talking to people. I identified the best. That people. was the setup. And so it wasn't, it was so rewarding after about six months. Then everybody wanted to come work on this project. Mm. And uh, so that led to being uh, a vice president over several projects and being a senior vice president to being promoted to president and then finally to president and CEO, which I did that for about 15 years. Uh, We did promote another godly man to be president uh, of the company. We officed right next door. And so great thing, Brad Crossland. And it was so great to just be able to have this uh, relationship with such a godly guy and to pray about decisions we were going to make. That's incredible. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, it was just uh, the company, I guess, to bring the story to an end, that part of my chapter anyway, was uh, the company grew, was very successful, but it did have some challenges yeah. uh, that made it difficult for us to see a path forward. Mm-hmm. So the the owner did agree to for us to sell the company. Uh-huh. So I was charged with finding someone who uh, would be interested in purchasing it, and uh, was fortunate enough to 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 meet up with the right people, oh. and uh, it turned out to be a, a real answered prayer for the company that that I was over for so long to be bought by this other larger company. I love that. Uh, so it's, it's, I mean, it's not all, what is it? Roses, roses. and rainbows or something. <laughs> I mean, it, there were some people that didn't have jobs, but uh, mm. if we hadn't have made that decision, nobody, then would. there wouldn't have been a path forward for the yeah. company. So uh, they're still and doing that's business. very well. Yeah, that yeah. is. That, that is. I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, sometimes 
God opens doors for you. And sometimes he asks you to shut doors for other people. Mm -hmm. But again, trying to make other people's dreams come through true and investing in other people and being led by the Lord. I mean, those are, those are principles. I think if you follow those, you will be successful. Yeah. You will be. I also want to underscore the point that when people were rude to you and they were stiff arming you, I think that many people would have just been offended and you could have either, you know, quit then or had a chip on your shoulder and then it just become animosity. But it sounds like you took a very strategic path by not trying to what I call a wall against a wall, but almost like water against a wall. Then you're not uh, bowing up and confronting it. You're actually going into your lane and starting to find out, okay, what is the healthy culture? What's not? What's actually instead of kind of those gatekeepers that can block and close a corporation to anybody who's an outsider. Like you said, they thought you were a spy. And so I think the wisdom of you were still doing your due diligence. You were doing your job, even without their accolades and their approval and their acceptance and belonging. And instead of getting offended, you did a good job. And now you became trustworthy and you're promoted into a position because you didn't have a chip on your shoulder and you didn't walk away when it was hard. Yeah. I mean, every, every one of those individuals, I mean, they were good, good people sure, and very smart people. And I don't want to paint a picture that they were out to get me. Right. They just weren't supportive of what I'd have been charged to do. But I think there's people that would see that as they're out to get me. This place is blah, blah, blah. These right. people are blah, blah, blah. And you create a narrative in your mind and then you respond and create self-fulfilling prophecies. Right. Yeah, I, I, I see people make that mistake. Uh, and, I, and I've made it too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to get offended and uh that, Boy, is that, it. That, that never leads to any yeah. any good really doesn't you end up feeling sorry for yourself mm-hmm. and uh then that can lead to holding grudges and resentment and yeah uh and and those are things that will hold you back absolutely so recognizing that i think is i think uh, our pastor has shared this with us a number of times. It's like, uh, I think it's bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness is a poison we mix for others, but drink ourselves. Yeah. And th- there's so much truth in that mm-hmm. and, and harboring resentment and bitterness towards someone. All you're doing is hurting yourself. Right. And, uh, and you can't do a good job when you're going into work every day, feeling like you're on the defensive and right. they're out to get you right. whether they are or not you do you really well and you'll be the cream of the crop and you'll move up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well said. I mean, it's again, if God has a plan for your life and you're seeking it out, then there's no man that can Mm -hmm. stand in the way and prevent Mm -hmm. that from coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. All right. Well, thank you. And oh my goodness, so many pearls of wisdom. So I think one you didn't necessarily have your own vision. And I think that can take a lot of pressure off of people that don't feel like they have a calling or this big euphoric moment that they know what they're called to do. Um, But you were faithful and you were doing the right thing where you were planted and then doors opened. And when they did, you walked through them. You also surrounded yourself with amazing community who spoke into your life. They were positive. They were encouraging and challenging you. So your wife going, you can, I'm going to support you. But do you think you're walking by faith 
or not. Um, so having those people in our lives intentionally pursuing that wisdom and that counsel, pursuing mentors, and when those doors open, you do it, even though it's not glamorous, it may even be a step down. It doesn't make sense to the human understanding and the bank budget. Um, but in that moment, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you as my source. I think you also highlighted um, the importance of tithing of just being obedience and being obedience, being obedient to um, honor the Lord with the first fruits, which if somebody doesn't know what that is, that's just giving 10%. Um, you can give more than your tithe that's offerings. Uh, but at least in obedience, giving that 10% and my family living in trailers, like poor, 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 give a lot of credit to their life changing when they were regular tithers. And I am as well. So I think I love that you shared that. Um, and then when people are against you and things don't work out to not get bitter or offended, but just do your job, stay in your lane, be excellent. And if you're being hired to do something, actually work, actually produce a profit, and then you're trusted. And then now the favor and people are now pursuing and wanting to be a part of your team and the vision and they're coming behind you. But I think, again, the highest thing that I've respected about you is that you're not necessarily the founder but you carried what the founder created and we need those people you know just like the body uh, we need the eyes and we need the knees and we need the cardiovascular system we need each of those working together and so i think there's a lot of honor and blessing on your life because it didn't need to be the jeff show it didn't need to be your vision you came alongside and you served someone else's vision and the lord has richly blessed you yes and and that's that's well said i mean uh, not that i patterned my life after Joseph, but when I read about Joseph's story, I mean, yeah. all he did was every position he was given, he served and honored that person, and clearly God uh, rewarded him for that. And I think it's Genesis 50, verse 2, where his brothers are before him, uh -huh. and he says, what you meant for evil, God has turned into good. Yeah, so and good. I, I think that's that's a that's a testimony that many people who follow the lord have yeah if, uh, what the world may need for evil for you god can turn that into good so good yeah. well we believe in you we believe there is a call on your life and whether you know it yet and whether it's been told to you god knows and the more that you're seeking him being in good community good content like watching or listening to this podcast um, and making sure you have mentors, people who can speak into your life and saying yes to those doors that may not come in the packages you expect. This is going to be an incredible year and we are cheering you on in the Unlock You community. Love you guys. And we'll see you for the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for watching this episode of Unlock You. It is our dream to invest in you. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting more of the bonus material, the content, and to know about future events. Head to the website, drshannoncrawford.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and you'll be the first to know what we're rolling out. And we want you to truly get unlocked so that you can thrive, not only for yourself, but also for the greater calling on your life. Let's link arms and do it together. See you in the next episode.